Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining the Ecom Wiz Podcast. My name is Henson. I'm from Feedback Wiz. And our guest today is Chris Davey. Uh, Chris is a seven-figure Amazon seller who designs and sources his own private label products and sells them worldwide on Amazon. And Chris is also the founder of FBA for You. That's FBA letter four letter U. And they throw networking events in China. And Chris actually lives in Shenzhen, China today. So uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us. And a pleasure to have you on. No problem. Good to see you again. Yeah, very good to see you. Um, me and Chris, uh, we've been talking for a while, and we actually met first time this year at the IRC event, and uh, we had a blast together, and just got to learn a lot about, you know, what Chris does, and you know, some of the event he throws, and just he, this guy knows just so much knowledge about selling on Amazon, and because he lives in China, um, he sees a lot of uh, the things that go on in selling in China, and he's very aware and familiar with, um, you know, a lot of the sourcing and product development, you know, just the way that the Chinese culture works. So today I think uh, we're going to talk with Chris, uh, particularly more about product design since Chris is, uh, designs his own product. So um, before we start, Chris, do you mind giving us a quick intro about like how you started on Amazon, what were you doing before and, you know, how did you, how did you even start designing products? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, so I had the same job from when I left school until about five years ago. Um, and I'm pretty old, so that's quite a long time at the same job. And back in 2000, uh, uh, back in 1998, I moved into the sourcing department at that company that I work for. Um, I don't mind saying the company is called Bowers and Wilkins. That's B and W, not BM. Uh, and basically, in 2011, late 2011, they offered me a transfer to China. And I was just like, sure, when can I go? Um, and it's supposed to be like a one-year contract. But in the end, it became a three-year contract. And during that three years, uh, the first thing was like um, setting up a sourcing team in China and also setting up our SAP, team, uh, SAP software in China as well. Um, and... Within about one year, we'd done that. And then basically going through about 200 suppliers visited. I think I visited around 200 suppliers in the first year on there. Um, deciding who are the right suppliers, who are the wrong suppliers. Some of them, they were like, you know, maybe we had seven suppliers to supply one thing, but they were all rubbish and they ended up getting all of them and finding a better one. Um, so basically, I carried on doing that job. And the last year in that job, um, I was kind of feeling bored and I was feeling like, mm, I think they're gearing up to send me back to England. And I was kind of sitting at my desk and they were leaving me out of certain meetings that I felt like I should have been in. And I was like, started to listen to podcasts and there wasn't really any on Amazon. So um, I just happened to drift into one. I think it was Niche Pursuits or something like that. Yeah, And there was a guy on there talking about Amazon FBA and he was like, 
in Belgium, never been to China, selling in America, $30,000 a month. And I'm like, wow, I'm like a sourcing expert sitting in China, bored. I really need to crack on and get on with, with doing something. As well as that, I'd sold on Amazon before, but not ever FBA. And I'd sold on eBay from 1999. Um, so, but just part-time at weekends and stuff like that. And I was just, I started designing, started designing a product. And then sure enough, my boss comes to me and says, hey, we want you to go back to the UK. And I'm like, mm, I don't really want to go back to the UK. And he's like, well, I thought you were going to say that. So we've got this agreement. You can sign and you can leave. And bear in mind, I'd been there like more than 25 years. And I was just like, sure, just signed it and left. And actually, it's the best decision ever. My products hadn't started selling on Amazon then. But the first one I designed a few months later hit Amazon, like sold out in three weeks, did $11,000. And then it was like, out of stock for the next three or four months. But it just gave me the thing that, oh, the product I designed, people liked. I didn't do any launch strategy at all. When it, when it arrived, it was on page 17. And within a week, it was like on page one, just because I designed something that was different from everyone else and something that people were looking for, but there wasn't anything there. So, Wow, that's a great story. I, I got a question for you. Since you design your own products and you live out in China, do you have specific patents or utility patents to protect your product from being copied since you say they're very unique, right? And I know in China, they're known for copying and making your products a little better and selling it for cheaper, right? So, um, Basically, most of our products that we sell, so we sell a lot of accessories. So our accessories are linked to other people's products and then other people have like a two to three year life cycle normally on their products. So generally, our not bothered to do them because I was like, okay, I'm going to launch this. Someone's going to copy me. I'm going to be out maybe six months and then they're going to come out with a copy, but in maybe a year, year and a half, that product's going to have finished anyway. Yeah. So I didn't bother, but um, the last two or three things that we've designed, we've started to do, yeah, some, some patents on bits and pieces from them that, that can be carried over from. So we've, we've patterned parts of the design. Um, that could be carried over to the next one. Um, and we also, there was like one product we designed where it is very generic and could carry on selling for a long time. And we got the idea for that product from somewhere else, but we kind of checked out and there was no patterns around it. So, hey, we filed one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have done a little bit. So. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and since you said, you mentioned that some of the product life cycles you sell is only like a couple of years because you're kind of, you're selling accessories, right? So you're piggybacking on maybe some bigger brands that sell like, you know, for, I, I don't know what you sell, but for example, if you're selling an Apple iPhone uh, case, right? That case is only has a life cycle of maybe a couple of years, right? Then it dies down. So you must be launching products um, pretty often, right? Every couple of years or every two years. And these days, I mean, it's very different than how Amazon used to be a few years ago. Like, um, if you don't like what, what kind of strategies do you recommend for, you know, when you launch your new products, is it just because you have a brand that people recognize your brand now they come back and say, Hey, you know, I recognize this brand. I bought it from before. This is, you know, a accessory to a newer product, or do you actually have to go through the entire like launching cycle to get your product up back to page one? Yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that we've had great success with, so we've got two different brands, and one of the things we've had great success with is building up variations on there and building around the variations. 
So building complementary products in that really could be allowed by Amazon to be built in the same variation. So somebody might like buy a big and a small version of the product at the same time. And where that's really helped us is, is like we face one model out, but we bring another one in and that other one, when it arrives, it starts with three, four, 500 reviews immediately. It's not on page one, but when people come into our listing to buy the other products, they're going to see it and then people are going to start to buy it. And then once people start to buy it, it's going to move forward and come to page one naturally. So that that's kind of one of the strategies we've done. And the other thing is, is just having like really unique products that people want um, that's, that's paid off for us really well. So yeah, that's great. So could you, since your, your expertise is designing products, um, you know, I really want to focus today on talking about like, how do you design a product where do you get your ideas from? And could you kind of just give us a blueprint of like how it's done and how do you get it? From yeah, sure. Sure. I, I don't think it's for everyone. Um, a lot of people show me, Oh, I've got this great idea and I think it can be amazing. But like, most of the time people have completely overcomplicated it and you know, I try to keep it as simple as possible. So, you know, if, if you think you got a great idea and it's like oh, a lot of electronics in it and that like you can try, you can go for it, but bear in mind, it's going to be like really, really complicated. I worked for a big brand before. So we used to make speakers and headphones. Um, so like everyone said to me, Oh, like, why don't you do your own headphones? You know so much about headphones. I'm like, we had 1100 people and we, we couldn't, we couldn't make it work good. You know, we had firmware issues, buttons, not working, all this sort of stuff. And we had huge, huge team yeah, to manage this. So as far as I was concerned, I'm staying far away from this stuff. Yeah. Cause I know it's like, you know, easy to go wrong. Yeah. Even with a yeah. huge team to back it up. So, um, as far as getting ideas, a lot of my ideas come about, originally I set off with audio in mind because this was what I knew about. So I started designing audio products and like niche audio accessories because I knew about these and I knew the market and I knew the market wasn't really huge. And, and this was something that I actually targeted. Actually, I'm going to throw a little other story in here because Back in 2015, just after I left my job and before I started selling on Amazon, I met one really big Chinese Amazon seller and he really wanted me to work for him or with him, actually, is the way he put it. And he offered me an office in his office. He offered me like 10 desks in his office. It's like, I can get my staff to teach your staff everything they know. Please come and work in my office. And I'm like, oh, I'll give it a go for a week. So I went there for one week and in that week I pretty much learned exactly what they were doing. And then my strategy came about like, Oh, right. Okay. These are the guys I really, really need to avoid. So I need to have a strategy to avoid them. Yeah. Not to play along with them yeah? <laughs> because I'm going to get my fingers burned if I play along with them. So, I mean, basically they were talking anything in the top 100. They were like scouring the top 100 continuously, top 100, every category down. They're scaling it continuously, you know, getting requotes on everything. Yeah. And like, if they find they can make 35%, then they're in there and they're in there super fast. You know, mm -hmm. I was in this office one, uh, I was in this office and I talked to this uh, guy about one product 
I went to the toilet. When I come back, it's like, oh, I've got the supply coming in this afternoon to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was, I was only asking, did you think this was a good idea? Yeah. And the next thing I know, the supply's on their way. You know, it's like uh, they, they act very, very fast. So one of my strategies has been avoiding them. So the way I've avoided them is by having quite a lot of SKUs with a high profit level, but not like huge sales. So, you know, most of my products don't sell more than like 10 a day. Um, and I don't, uh, if they start getting in the top 100, I get very nervous. Um, I've got some products there at the minute. I already see some copycats coming along. I've got a few of my products that are like drifting in the top 100s and, and they have been copied. Everything that's outside is normally fine. So, um, as far as where do I get my ideas from? My ideas originally came from what I knew. Um, but since then, I branched out into other areas. So I'll tell you about another product that we've launched that's been successful. So basically, uh, we're in a certain niche. And then I started researching around that niche. I want to add some more products in. Now, I don't really know much about that niche. We kind of ended up in it by accident because... I started to look at what my competitors were doing for my other type of products. And I see they had a really good product. They were selling for like $40. It was doing $50,000 a month. And I'm like, I immediately I looked at it and I'm like, that's a $3 product to make. And they're doing like $50,000 a month. And it's like, that means their profit level is really big. And I went off like down that route. I got a quote on it. I was going to copy it. And then at the last minute I was like, actually, this is what am I doing this? This is not really my strategy. Yeah. I need to take it and I need to make it better. So I made something that's done the same function, but I made like a high-end version. And I was so glad I was because it took me six months to get to the market. And by the time I got to the market, their product that was selling for $40 was only selling for $16.99. And they had like about 50 people had copied it. Yeah? And their sales were like right down low. And I launched my product. was like high-end version at $40, the first product. And basically they came in, uh, like I, you know, my sales carried on coming in because I differentiated myself. Everyone else was sixteen ninety nine low end product. And I was like $40 product. And actually after that, I bought out a $50 product and a $60 product. Uh, and people, um, I've even put the prices up on them and like people still carry on buying them because they're kind of unique in that space. But our sales are nowhere near the amount of them, but probably our profit is quite similar. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, so basically we launched that and then from, from looking at what our competitors were doing and then I researched around that niche, but I've heard a few people mentioning this lately and it's exactly what I do. So don't look on Amazon for what's selling good. Like look away from Amazon, you know, look on Etsy, look on Instagram, look on Pinterest. I looked around the niche in other places to say, hey, what's selling good that's not on Amazon? Or, you know, what can I design that people want that they're looking for off of Amazon and then design something and put it onto Amazon? And hey, presto, you know, it's like, just start selling. You know, you get something good and it will just start selling, yeah? You don't need to do any giveaways. You don't need to do any promotions, you know, hardly... Like, I was hardly running PPC. Like, some of my PPC campaigns are, like, only, like, 5% ACOS. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree with you there, Chris. I mean, um, you know, I shop on Amazon quite a bit, too. And, 
you know, I'm one of those uh, buyers where I rather buy a quality product than a junk product for cheaper because most of the time what happens is it doesn't last, right? I might spend half the price mm -hmm. and it lasts two weeks and then I end up throwing it away and then I have to buy another mm -hmm. one, which is the same as me buying a quality product, right? And, and I think the point where you said look off of Amazon instead of uh, looking on Amazon when you're sourcing, uh, looking for products to sell is absolutely correct too because some of the best products uh, for certain categories are actually not listed on Amazon. Uh, for example, um, I just started playing golf. So I've been looking for very high quality golf mats um, to hit because, you know, you buy the cheap ones off eBay, like $20, you'll just screw up your elbow, right? Your arm after a while, it's not mm -hmm. worth it. So there's these very high end golf mats that are like three, $400, right? And there's, there's like forums where the people will rave about it, where they're like really good. And you know, it's like the design is good, but you can't find them on Amazon. When I search for Amazon, it doesn't exist. Right. I only find yeah, these exactly. cheap, cheap, like $50, $60 golf mats that, you know, even though it has good ratings, uh, if you read the actual golf community reviews, they're actually crap, right? Because after a few months, people throw them away. So, so you're absolutely right. When you, when you're finding or looking for a product to sell on Amazon, it's best to, you know, go on Google, go on Pinterest, Etsy, look at, see what people actually want to buy because people these days want to buy quality products, right? And Amazon is very, um, flooded right now with a lot of just cheap products that are just branded by you know 50 different types and you go what you search one item there's page one that has 50 the same product different brands same price it's it's i don't really like it because it's hard for me to figure out what's good and what's not and and i, I really um agree with what you what you said about that so no it said right i mean you just made a good point there which is you went to amazon first to look and there wasn't anything there yeah so, you know, you weren't, you, it wasn't that, oh, this is a three or $400 product and you're not going to buy it on Amazon because that's where you look for it. Look for something good first, yeah, but there wasn't anything there. So it identifies this, this whole, and actually coming back to that first product I launched, it was similar. I designed something that was much better than everyone else and everyone else was selling like $11.99. So my immediate thought was, hey, my product's much better. I'm going to sell it $11.99. And I'm just going to clean up. But what happened was I put it on for $11.99. I didn't sell anything. It wasn't until I put it up to $24.99 that it really started selling. <laughs> because I had to differentiate myself. Exactly. And yeah. you know, the human brain's like that. You look at it and you go like, oh, this one's $11.99. That one's $24.99. It must be better, yeah? It has <laughs> to be better, yeah? It has to be, you know. And of course, it needs to be. But that better cost me like an extra 50 cents in the product. Uh, and it got me like an extra $15 on the sale price. So this is, you know, this is one of our, our strategies. I'm not saying that every strategy, because some strategies we, we did the opposite where we went low, but that was because we saw a specific gap in the market, which is now actually starting to get a bit busy with Chinese sellers. But basically we had two competitors and them two competitors were like, famous-ish brands. Basically, both of them sold in Best Buy. They sold like in most, most retail stores around the world, which highlighted to me is that their prices are very fixed. You know, they can't be like saying, oh, we got a competitor that's selling half the price of us, let's put our prices down because they're like, they're everywhere. Yeah? Yeah. So we went in at half the price of them and there's absolutely nothing they could do about it yeah? um, because they were big brands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But there were big brands on something that was an unimportant purchase. 
which is a key thing. We're not we're not selling like we're not saying oh there was a Bose speaker for two hundred dollars and we went in with a one hundred dollar speaker. That wouldn't work because Bose yeah. is a big famous name and the Bose speaker is like really important. Um, you know, you're never going to really steal the sales. So yeah. So I got a question for you. So for like sellers, like like normal sellers, like you know people that don't design their products, but let's say they have they find a product where like you said, it can be improved, right? Like there's a bunch of people selling the same product, but they identify the problem with, you know, either reading the reviews or, you know, buying the product and saying, Hey, I can make this product better. Now, how do they actually go about and make that product better? Like, do they, how do they reverse search and find that product? Where is manufactured from? And then how do they actually reach out to the supplier, the manufacturer and say, Hey, I want to make this better by doing this. And how do you make sure that making it better doesn't get stolen. So the, you know, existing sellers don't make the same product better too before, you know, you yeah, get I understand. I understand. Um, well, there's a couple of things. One is, is like, you can make it better, but like, let's say you make a better iPhone case. Yeah. It's probably still not going to sell. So you have to be able to identify that it is a good opportunity. Um, and by good opportunity, uh, I mean like what are the strongest keywords and, how saturated are them keywords and so let's say you've done that research and you've looked and you've gone okay these keywords that i want to target they haven't got too many sellers on them now you want to think about designing about a product um if you haven't got the skills yourself i would recommend you try and find some sort of industrial designer maybe on fiverr or upwork or um, onlinejobs.ph or somewhere like that yeah to help you but you need to be able to give them a clear direction on what you want. You might be lucky and find someone's really smart and will understand you. But generally what happened when I tried to do this was that I thought I had clear direction. I found someone that was really great designer and I said to them, Hey, I want to design this to make it better. And let's, I'll give you one example. They were in Egypt and they come up, they come up with like a very design that didn't look westernized. Um, so um that's that's kind of like very very important um so what i do is i build out like a spec sheet of like oh what are the things i want to do to improve this yeah and then i'll try and find ideas from other products you hear that banging sorry oh no they started construction huh you warned me about that <laughs> it started it started already yeah that's what uh -oh. started dying it's only 8 30 um and yeah, basically, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, put me off my train of thought. Very, very sorry, you're gonna have to cut this bit out. Yeah, um, you're talking about how, um, how you make your product better, right? You have a spec sheet you start off with, and then yeah, so then what I'll do is so, for instance, the first product I designed was a bag. So, what I did is I went to all the bag shops that was like from, from backpacks to like. Louis Vuitton and I went to look at them and I looked at all the little features of every single bag and then I took together all different bits and pieces that I like from each bag and I photographed it and I built it into a spreadsheet and I'm like oh I really like this handle oh I really like this zip oh I like this this fob on the bag you know for the zipper oh I like the way this strap connects oh I like so I built up like this thing to drive the design to end up with what I wanted you know I want the handle like this off that bag I want the zipper like this off this bag um, and you know, that's one way you can do it if you haven't got the design skills. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, really good information. So, so yeah, I, I think product research is probably the most important thing, right? You want to make sure whatever you sell before you actually put money and sell into it, you want to research, you know, the life out of it, right? By, like you said, when you sold your bag, buy every single bag on the market and figure out, you know, what do people want, right? Because um, just because you like something doesn't mean that everyone else likes it, right? So you have to do pretty good research to see like, you know, what kind of bags or sell well, right? And what's what's the strong points and what's the weak points and then try to make it better. Uh, right? I'll give you an I'll give you an example actually about why this bag was successful. So it was a it was a bag to hold a product in and basically that product was available in five different colors and all the bags on Amazon were black. So what we did was we made the bags match the products, yeah? And immediately hey presto, yeah, we're getting loads of sales because everyone wanted the bag that matches the color of the product. So right. it was as simple as that. Yeah? You just need to think a little bit like, what would I want if I was the customer? Would I want a blue, would I want a white product in a black bag? Maybe, but would I rather have a white product in a white bag? Probably. So, um, and that just drove like from page 17 to page one in a week. Yeah, just because people found our product. And as soon as people start finding it, you know what Amazon's like, they'll reward you, you know? People find it on page 17, they buy it. You know, probably just one person buys it. And then the next time it's on page five. After that, another person buys it. It's on page two. And before you know it, it's on page one. So um, so that's kind of kind of one of the strategies. I have quite a lot of different strategies, actually. I'll tell you a couple of other ones as well, which is uh, um, one thing I really like is uh, where part numbers are the keywords. So people come to Amazon and they search for a part number. Mm. yeah so they're looking for maybe an accessory or a spare part or something like that they search for a part number because generally when you search for that part number only one thing comes up so if you can make something as well and that part number is one of your keywords guess what only two things come up yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. and once you get more reviews than the other one your one becomes amazon's choice or whatever i mean we've got it where we're up against big brands and we're amazon choice badge and we've got far more reviews than they've got so um, yeah, I actually know this guy that all they do is sell replacement parts for random things like toys and games, like, mm -hmm. you know, even the toys from back in the days, like you might not even think of there's, you know, certain balls from certain games where you can't buy anymore. Right. And they know the part mm -hmm. number or they have the keyword and then they manufacture the exact OEM of that same product and kill it. Right. That's their whole yeah. entire business. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. a great strategy. If you're trying to find a, niche kind of place without, you know, competitors is to get into that industry. Um, what are some of the mistakes that you've done when you design your product? Like what kind of failures um, can you share that like you want to show other, you know, sellers to avoid, like, you know, make sure that you don't do what you've done. Okay. So don't design anything to go with anything that Amazon makes. This was the biggest mistake we made. Yeah. So, um, coming from the audio industry, back in 2014, I was sitting at my desk and Amazon launched the Amazon Echo. And when I was like researching what products to do, I looked at the Amazon Echo and I see that a lot of people complaining it fell over very easily. Actually, I've got a water bottle here, you know, it fell over very easily. And basically, we designed a stand uh, to hold this product. But when I looked on Amazon back in 2014 for, for Amazon Echo stand, there was no search results. And at that point I hadn't launched any products. So my first product would have been this product, but I looked and I was like kind of scared. I'm like, okay, I already designed it, but 
um, you know, I don't see anything on there. So I've got nothing to gauge like how much money I'm going to make. You know, it's going to cost me some money to tool it up. But actually, we made this from metal. And basically, then like one year passed, I'd launched my first product and my PC was like complaining, hey, not enough storage space. And I was going through like deleting a load of files and I was opening things. And I opened this stand that I drew, um, you know, in 3D. And I was like, oh, let me check that again on Amazon. And I go to Amazon, there's like five or six people selling something and they're like doing about $50,000 a month. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I do this? Yeah, I should have, I could have cleaned up. Yeah, I could have been in the market before anyone else. Anyway, so then I kind of rushed to, to develop it and I had a few disasters along the way, which was like, um, first of all, we like needed to fine tune it a lot. So I needed to get Amazon Echo to China because it was like, I couldn't find it anywhere in China. I needed to get one. It got stuck in customs and took some time to arrive. Eventually got it, fine-tuned it all, got it all designed. And then there was a typhoon and the factory that I was using roof blew in. And basically like that delayed everything by another, another month. So by the time we got this product to Amazon, from that day I opened the file, it was about another nine months. And by the time it arrived in America, it was on like page 20 or something like that. Uh, because it was so many people who had like seen this for selling or not and just like designed something. But our one was like totally different to anyone else's. Mm -hmm. So I was like still very, very confident that our one could be a success. Now, there was one thing we'd run like 4,000 of these and we'd sent like 3,500 to America and we'd sent 500 to Europe, which in hindsight was a huge mistake because the Amazon Echo launched in Europe two years after it launched in America. And basically what had happened was, is like we were on page 20 in America. We were on like page one, position six in the UK and Germany. It started selling like crazy UK and Germany. Yeah? And now all my stock's stuck in America. Yeah? So then guess what? I have to run it all again. Yeah. So I have to run another big batch to send to Europe. And for a while it sold really good, um, especially in Europe. It never really took off in America. I mean, it sold, but not great. And then what happened one day is I was just like, my PPC stopped working. I'm like, this is so strange. Why my PPC stopped working? So I raised a case and they're like, oh yeah, you can't advertise this product. It's Amazon related. There's some something in the terms and conditions that if it's Amazon related, you can't advertise it. Like, oh my God. And like all, all of my competitors had designed something so generic that they could say, oh, it worked work with any speaker our speaker basically only fitted the amazon our product only fitted the amazon echo yeah oh, we'd like man. completely gone after the amazon echo so first of all our advertising stopped working but that wasn't too bad because we were already on page one in a good position anyway yeah so we were selling a lot organically and then the second thing that happened was is maybe three months later i suddenly noticed that wait there, this is this software that we're using to like calculate what our profit is. This is like everyone we're selling in Europe, we lose four pounds on. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. So I start looking at it in detail and I'm like, look to this product and it was like, oh, I can't remember exactly how much we were selling it for. It was something like we were selling it for 20 pounds and the Amazon fees were like 14 pounds. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. And then I found, oh, also hidden away in the back end of Amazon is there's, if you sell an Amazon-related product, it's a 45% referral fee on it. So our total fees on this product are around 60 per, 65%. Um, and basically, there was nothing we could do about it because we put the price up. It's still 65%. We had to put the price up ridiculously high. And then when we put it up ridiculously high, then people start leaving us negative reviews 
also it slowed our sales down, but people started leaving us negative reviews. So it's too expensive. Yeah. And this came just as our quarter four order was finished and our sales were like pretty good. So we'd ordered a lot around $40,000 worth. And basically in, it got to that point where I was just like, okay, we'll just leave these there. I like some of them are still sitting in my freight folder from like three years ago. They actually called me the other day and asked me, can we throw these out? They've been here for like the last three years. And, um, yeah. So, so basically what ended up happening was we probably, we, we scrapped around 40 or maybe $50,000 of stock. Um, and we probably made a similar amount of money till we lost. So it basically ended up that we lost like a year and a half of our life to make no money. Um, so yeah, be careful. Don't ever sell Amazon related products. <laughs> uh, that's quite a story there. I'm, I'm glad he at least broke even because you know, if you were, Mine is 50,000. That would probably hurt a lot, but yeah, it's, yeah, I've never heard that one. It would have been a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. That's the first time I, I've, I've learned myself about that. So that's really good. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, so I, I really thank you for your time today. Um, you know, there's a lot of good information. And Chris, you also mentioned earlier that you're starting to do consulting now, right? To help sellers. Uh, yeah. I- I'm doing consulting, but really my consultancy is quite special. So I'm really looking for people that are sitting in their day job that do like design or design related stuff who I know have amazing skills and could be designing their own stuff and selling it on Amazon. These are the people that I'm really looking for because I know at my own company, you know, we had like at least 20 people like this and I know I could take all 20 of these people and make them super successful Amazon sellers because they've got that creative brain and they, they, you know, they can already do a lot of what they need to be able to do themselves. But what they can't do is the Amazon side of it. They've no idea about that side of it. And they've no idea about the potential as well as the other thing. So these are the people that I'm particularly wanting to consult with. Cause I think these are, these are working in the same sort of area as what I'm working in. Um, so I don't have any, like I, I've consulted with a few people so far and they're like, Oh, what's your launch strategy? I'm like, have a good product. And they're like, how many do you give away? I'm like, I don't give away any. Yeah. And they're like, huh? but everyone's telling me I need to give things away and I need to launch and I have, need to have many chat and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I'm like, I don't do most of that. Yeah. I mean, we have a little bit of playing around with many chat, but most of that I don't do. I just design good products and they sell. So Chris, I heard you have a event that you throw in China as well, right? Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, basically back in 2015, when I was looking to get into Amazon, um, I was like, there must be some really cool Amazon sellers coming to Canton Fair. If you don't know Canton Fair, it's the world's biggest commodity exhibition. Uh, And I started to run an event there and like the first event just like two people turned up and there's like three of us sitting there and i'm like you sell on amazon no i don't but i want to you sell on amazon no i don't how about you no i don't sell either so it's like three of us sitting there none of us amazon sellers but um our last event we had more than 650 people uh over the two dates that we run it on um it's totally free um we pay for it with sponsorship and people ask me oh like you know why, why do you do this you know what what's the catch it's free you know it was like I do it to meet other cool people basically. And, and, uh, that's, that's the only reason I do it. Um, we have some sponsors that might spam you a little bit afterwards about stuff. Um, you know, but, uh, you, you get an opportunity. I only have sponsors normally that have things that I think are useful and things that I've, uh, things that I've used myself. So, um, 
you know, I've kind of vetted them already for you, and I know that they're that they're normally uh, good. Uh, and our next event's uh, 25th of October during Canton Fair Phase Two, and the 1st of November during Canton Fair Phase Three. Um, and we'll also be around in. We're not doing any event, but we'll be around in Hong Kong as well. There's uh, some really good exhibitions going on in Hong Kong, and as me and Henson spoke before. Now is actually a really good time to visit Hong Kong, although you might have seen all the troubles going on there. The hotel prices are like super cheap, uh, the cheapest I've ever seen. Um, so it's a perfect opportunity to visit the exhibitions in Hong Kong as well. Um, and for me, I found the exhibitions in Hong Kong to be more uh, interesting and more profitable than anything at Canton Fair that I've seen normally. Uh, I found a few supplies at Canton Fair, but I never found anything like that's got me excited. Whereas in Hong Kong, there's a lot of um, uh, supplies from elsewhere as well, like India, Thailand, uh, Korea, Vietnam, uh, much more than the Canton Fair. Canton Fair tends to be like China only. Great. So how do we sign up for this meetup? Is it just go on fba4u.com? Is there a page where we can Uh, get information about it? I think if you just go to fba4u.com, you can find it on there under Canton Fair. Um, or I'll give you the link as well and you can put it in there because it's uh, fba4u.com forward slash meet dash up. So, uh, yeah. Perfect. uh, Yeah. Awesome. That's it. All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on today. And hopefully everyone found this uh, podcast to be very informative and hopefully everyone learned something. If you have any questions for Chris, please reach out to him. uh, Chris at fba4u.com. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us this week on the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.